You are listening to an M Pavilion podcast, conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at library.mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for uh, joining us for this very intimate uh, discussion that we will have with Yen and Edwin. Um, I would like to start with acknowledging that we're uh, gathering on the land of the Yalukut Wulam. They are the traditional custodians of this land and they are uh, part of the um, uh, Kulin Nation. Uh, I would also like to remember that this land on which we're meeting has never been ceded, so that we're all visitors on this land. And I would like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and into the future, and, um, and as well the First Nations people among us. Um, my name is Sadia, uh, Sadia Bonstra. I'm curator of the public programs for Asia Topa. And um, I just remembered that this is the very last M Pavilion lunchtime talk that we have. We've been having these talks for over a month for a month now, so this is the very last one. So thank you so much for coming out for that. Um, we kind of like made it. Um, um, so today we're talking about um, virtual intimacy together with Edwin Kampetril and Yen Chu, and I will introduce both of you. Um, Yen Chu is the founder and director of Very Theater and Very Mainstream Studio. Uh, focusing on theater and moving image, he makes interdisciplinary works of performance, installation and music video, the latest international co-production with Culture Yard in Denmark, Chronicle of Lightyear Taipei, Copenhagen, premiered at Taipei Art Festival and presented at Ars Electronica Festival, Linz in 2018. He is currently working on Facing Cities, which premieres at Nordeson Festival in the Netherlands later this year. And Edwin Kemp Etrell, to my left, is co-director also of Virtual Intimacy and is a South Australian theatre maker. He's a multiple awards winner and the founder and artistic director of Act Now Theatre and the former artistic director of the University of Adelaide Theatre Guild. And Edwin's work focuses on interactive theatre and participatory storytelling, exploring social justice themes. And as a community arts practitioner, Edwin works with people with disabilities, prisoners, LGBTIQ communities, young people, refugees, and migrants, and also in collaboration with numerous organizations. Please um, join me in welcoming Yen and Edwin. Hi, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so I thought like what we could do for today's talk is speak and uh, talk more about the artistic development and the collaborations between the two of you. Um, I know that some of us have seen the show and some of us are even part of the shows and some of, some of us have not seen the shows yet. So we have to yeah. be a bit careful with what we disclose and not disclose in order to not spoil it for those who have not seen the show yet. Um, so I think I would first start to um, talk about the collaboration in itself because maybe this I can... Um, I can disclose is that you both speak about uh, a marriage, mm. but it's actually an arranged marriage. Mm. So I was wondering how it was um, for both of you to uh, to be in an arranged marriage, but also how did you end up here? Like, given your both of your backgrounds, can you tell a little bit what is your background? How did you end up in this line of work, and how did you end up collaborating? Uh, sure. So. Yeah, in the show we t we talk about the fact that the work is an arranged marriage um, coordinated 
by Stephen Armstrong, who's the director of Asia Topa. Um, and he was familiar with our works independently and knew that our uh, that we had both done at least one project that looked at themes similar to virtual intimacy. Um, my project was called Zero Feet Away. It was a, um, a interactive performance by people in the queer community in Adelaide where we developed a uh, mobile phone app for the audience to be able to have conversations with the community members during the show and to be able to ask them questions like, what's the best sex you've ever had? Or when do you feel comfortable? Or um, what are you proud of? All these kind of different questions. Um, and also the work uh, which was presented in 2017 um, also looked at the Orlando shooting and the way that um, uh, people, the Orlando was a kind of um, uh, a significant event in terms of the way that mobile phones were used during it um, and the way that the police and the media and everyone was responding to it um, in a very virtual way. Um, so the work, that's kind of the work that I mostly do is um, interactive projects with communities. Um, uh, often it's not in theatre spaces. Um, often it's not for theatre audiences. So um, typically our projects are going into schools or workplaces or community centres or healthcare sites. Um, and engaging people in discussions using theatre. Zero Feet Away was um, uh, was kind of outside of the normal body of work in that it was for a general public audience, and that's that was kind of fairly unusual in terms of Act Now projects. Um, and then Virtual Intimacy is kind of 10 steps further into that of um, not just a theatre audience, but a festival audience um, in, uh, in a different city to where we're based. We're based um, on Ghana country in Adelaide. Um, and uh, so the, I think from Stephen Armstrong's perspective, it was partly about um, an Australian practitioner who myself engaged with community and creating very um, uh, local and um, uh, human interaction kind of projects um, and partnering up, me up with someone that uh, is used to working in these kind of festival environments and creating highly um, uh, beautiful and aesthetic and technically brilliant kind of work. So I think he saw the, um, the similarities, but also the huge differences in our practices. Yeah, I think it's quite special to sitting in the M Pavilion because uh, just right across the street, it's uh, where we got our marriage happened. It's, uh, I mean, two years ago, Stephen Armstrong brought us together in the creative lab of Asia Topa, which I met Edwin, and we were putting in the same apartment. So we spent seven very intimate days together. Uh, by intimate, we are like, um, we went to the gay beats around Melbourne the first day, and then the rest of the seven days, we sort of just seated in the meeting room, in the uh, sort of, how do you say that, uh, the bunker? Yeah, for the whole seven days, every day. So not just our work, uh, our interest in uh, virtual intimacy, or um, but also I think what's very funny or interesting is that how similar we are. Like Edwin and I are both quite a workaholic. Like we we run company and our mind doesn't rest. When we are doing this, we're also doing that. And yeah, so... Um, so we start to know each other. We start to trying to dig what is virtual intimacy. We start to literally look up the words, and then um, 
trying all kind of different things. And then we also realized we've been both making it work about online dating, about hookup culture. I made a documentary, and, uh, and then he made Zero Fates Away. So the first time that Stephen talked to me about Edwin and talked to me about Act Now, I looked up, I sort of Googled Edwin. That's how I know you virtually. And I read the copy of Zero Fates Away, and I really just loved the copy. I, I think the copy was brilliant. I'll look it up and I'll read it to everyone now. Uh, it's, it's so interesting to know someone so far away that having the same feeling with you and you feel intimate already. That's sometimes when you go to a museum or you go to, you listen to a song and you feel understood. And I think that's how I know his work and then start this big journey of um, marriage and probably a little bit of breakup and then, you know, reunion, <laughs> that kind of thing. And we are here having our premiere in Melbourne. Yes, exactly. You already had three shows. But this topic of virtual intimacy, was that something that was part of the arranged marriage or that, was, that came up during the, um, during the course of the Creative Lab? Yeah, so I think the original title was um, Virtual Intimacy and Other Games was the kind of the theme that we were working with. And we were, we were also paired with a Melbourne-based game designer, um, Shang Lun. Uh, and we, we ended up just um, uh, focusing on the virtual intimacy part. Um, so it, it, was a, it was quite a strange process because it, even though that didn't have to be the title, it was like we were starting with a title first and then working backwards. Um, so there was a lot of times where we were kind of exploring something and then going, but hang on, is this virtual intimacy? And we would go, oh, okay, we have to bring it back to the title um, or bring it back to the, the brief or the key themes as opposed to creating something that can go off in its own, own direction. So that was quite an interesting process to have a kind of um, a shell and then we have to fill the content into that. Can you um, speak a little bit more about that, that, that shell, and then filling in the content? Because I'm not, I'm not sure whether this was the first time that the both of you um, worked from um, in that way, to start with a brief and then mm. start developing the content towards that, rather than starting with an idea and then mm. the project um, evolves into something more maybe naturally. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm used to working in very um, kind of um, specific briefs and so this was a, in, a, in a way actually a very open brief um, uh, because I'm normally kind of working with you know a particular group to um, address racism or a particular group to do some particular health outcome um, this was quite open um, I think we we one of the the first things that we looked at which I found quite interesting and I think is still very much present in the work is um, the two main definitions of virtual. Um, one of them is um, something that exists in an electronic form. Um, so the internet is virtual or um, uh, a photograph is virtual. And then the second is um, something that is almost but not quite. So um, uh, something being virtually, um, uh, they were virtually absent or um, uh, uh, in terms of intimacy, that's like, um, uh, hookup culture, which might feel intimate, but it's not actually quite intimate. Um, uh, so those two definitions of virtual were, uh, I think, um, 
very much a part of our exploration. And then it was the, the intimacy thing that we constantly kind of went, what is this? Like, um, and we talked a lot about the fact, the, the irony of being kind of um, professionally single, like being people that are creating work about our singleness or our inability to have a relationship or, you know, have intimacy or things like that, that we were kind of like the worst people to do the project. <laughs> So we, we actually, um, after the arranged marriage happened, I say to Elwin, like, what about come to Taipei for a few weeks and have a look? You know, being in a, city, being in a um, Asian city, and then, so, and then we visit each other's uh, country for another three weeks, and then in last year, Last year, in uh, the beginning of the year, I was in Melbourne again, uh, sh showing, screening the Looking For uh, documentary, and also went to Adelaide, where uh, Eknow is based, and then did a few workshops there, and also we went to Sydney. So it was very uh, kind of a curate, courageous journey. Uh, and then later on, uh, last year in October, uh, Edwin also came to Taipei for uh, for the very first uh, presentation that we did with the community member in Taiwan, yeah. Okay, so I, I was also wondering about that because uh, Edwin just mentioned the different layers of, or the different definitions of virtuality and intimacy. And I was wondering, because this is also in a sense a cultural, cultural exchange, to what extent have you seen or noticed differences between um, forms of intimacy between uh, Taiwan, um, Yen, your background, and Edwin, your Australian background. Is there, did you see similarities? Did you see differences? How, and how did that work out into the show? I, I think what amazed most is that um, how LGBT, especially, maybe I can only speak for gay culture, that gay culture on Grindr is very globalized. Like there are uh, certain patterns that are just repeated in every everywhere you go uh, in terms of how you start a conversation how everything's so repeated so that um, and we there are so many things that we share together F for example the love of Beyonce the love of Lady Gaga like that's like um, universal and um, so what strikes me most is uh, not so much about difference, but also like wherever you go, if you go to France, you will listen to the sentence looking for, you will have all these labels in different language, uh, but means the same thing. Yeah. And how about you, Edwin? Yeah, I think um, it's it's been really interesting to um, work in a different country and then question my own culture and, and what Australian culture is like. Um, and I think maybe the the main thing that I have started to learn is how bad we are in Australia at talking about emotions and also being honest in um, feedback to people, the way that we're so indirect with so many things and um, we think that we're really open about a lot of stuff, but we actually aren't. Yeah, that's quite interesting. And I also like how you sort of like see those things coming back into the show. Um, one big component of the show is also this community participation. And, and that is the heart of your work, Edwin. 
Well, Yan, you also mentioned that you did community work in, in uh, Taipei as well. So could you both share a little bit about um, what the involvement of the community meant and how that also uh, is part of the show? I think for me, um, working with Edwin throughout this 18 month, um, being together with the communities are the most, are the, um, is normally my happiest time because I love uh, games that Edwin uh, devised us to play. I normally don't want to stop. I normally don't want to work. I just want to do the warm up that Edwin did, did devised to sort of break the walls. And, um, it, and that also shows how similar we are, like whatever culture we did, this game, everybody just laugh, everybody just uh, feel reluctant, and everybody sort of take care of each other. So, um, and apart from there, I also feel the most uh, empowering and moments are normally through the community member story. I feel like we are only, uh, I, just like Stephen Armstrong the other day said to me that in the premiere, he feel privileged to listen to the stories from the members. And it's, it's so amazing that how we found uh, these community members, especially in Melbourne with different culture, very different, um, very diverse mix, right? Of our community member. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it is um, the, so much of the work that I do is with community and I felt actually very lost in this project of what is the role of the community in it, maybe because I felt like there was this huge pressure on me understanding on what they would be doing and I actually had no idea. Um, and it's really interesting the way that we kind of, we got this group in Melbourne um, and even just from the first workshop, we ran six workshops, so the six weeks leading up to the production um, and Lewis is one of the, um, uh, the community members here and I think you were there on the first week, is that right? Yeah. So even on the first week, uh, Teddy Dunn, the dramaturg who was running those workshops and, and I was kind of coming in and out for most of them, um, we were just amazed by the fact that people rocked up. You know, that there was this group of people that saw an ad on Facebook um, asking for people that were male identifying queer and Mandarin speakers um, uh, to come to a workshop for something that not only did they not know about, but we didn't know what they were gonna be doing. And I think one of the, the kind of ha happy accidents in the project was because we had so little idea of what we were doing, the, the community members that <laughs> persisted in the workshops, it was like a selection process of bravery, that it was, it was the, only, the bravest people stayed in because they were the ones that were willing to go, yeah, let's explore this, but even two weeks before it opened, we still have no idea. One week before it opened, we still have no idea. And so I think that kind of translated into a, a really brave presence of community members. Um, and it's the kind of work that I'm really interested in where things can happen on stage where, um, you know, sometimes people are coming on stage for the first time with, you know, maybe an hour of rehearsal and they tell a story that is about their life, but in telling it, something is happening in their life. It's a moment in their life that is significant to them. And then the way that they tell the story is um, becomes significant and the audience can read into that. So there's been a couple of really beautiful moments of just kind of happy accidents or um, just moments where uh, we see life on stage as opposed to just people talking about life. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a really powerful, yeah, very, 
powerful moments in the show, actually. Um, I was also wondering if you speak about these six weeks and um, that the ones who kind of stay throughout the journey, they're, they're the most resilient ones, but what does it mean if you enter a work, working with communities, and none of you have any idea of what's, of what's going to happen? Like, how does it work in practice? Like, <laughs> you, you start organizing these workshops, and what, do you, what is it that you do? Um, yeah, so we, uh, we play a lot of games. We get the kind of the group to feel comfortable. Um, we try to get people in the room that may have no theatre experience. Um, and it always happens that some people have done, you know, a little bit or one of the reasons that people might want to join is because they want to do more theatre stuff and that's, that's fine as well. Um, but I think what tends to happen is the people that come... Um, come with something that they want to share, even if it's subconsciously, they've come to the group because there's some need that they want fulfilled through the workshop. Um, and so a lot of the process is about finding a way to kind of let that come out or let that happen. Um, uh, and so we do a lot of writing exercises, um, uh, a lot of conversations, um, sharing stories um, with this kind of process because we didn't know what the form of the work was. Um, we were trying things from lots of different angles with the community and they were a bit of a like a sounding board for us to go, oh, we're thinking of doing this, let's try it out, does it work, no, it doesn't. And then it was actually quite nice during the rehearsal process, the same thing happened of the community members could come in and it would be a few days since they were last there and we could say, this is what we're now thinking. And it was kind of like an accountability group um, where we could um, we could show it to them and they would, they would feed it feedback their, um, their thoughts to us. Um, so it was quite an, an organic um, process because there were so many questions that we were having to ask and that we just had to be really upfront about that and say, um, you know, we don't know what we're doing and we're not going to ask you to do anything you don't want to do. When we would suggest something, we would always say, are you okay with this? Um, do you want to do it differently? Uh, we made sure that they wrote their own stories. They had control over that. Um, uh, so, yeah, it was very much about, like, saying... We don't know where we're going, but we want to hold your hand to get there. Um, yeah. That's I think a, yeah. what's very interesting is that at one point we re realized that theater is not a place to talk about virtual intimacy. Theater is probably not the place to talk about virtuality at all because we are physically gathering in a space to, together, and that's very human, right? And then how we found the community member, we found them virtually, basically through an advertisement of Facebook. Uh, page and then they were targeted with big data so their Facebook know that they are probably queer they're probably Asian they're probably located in Melbourne right but they through all these virtual means they literally want to be with this in the space with us every week for two three hours they want to listen to the others they want to have something more than a hookup something other than a date yeah so I, I find that super beautiful. Like also this, just this morning on Instagram, I saw a friend share with me a post of how Italians are having um, parties in the, inside the buildings through their balconies. So people will just play trumpet and then people will have a techno gatherings. People sing together. And I think that's, um, that's really the picture that we are having in our mind. Apart from that, it's also having a community member, like we, we, we say we, are, we, we don't know what, what the phone is, is A, because 
we don't want to repeat ourselves. So Edwin doesn't want to repeat zero feet away. Like, why do we bother to do a bi bilingual one just to make it more fancier or what? And I don't want to make another um, documentary that, that just have all the talking heads talking about their uh, life or their difficulty or the, all the questions. So we want to find something new. And that's, that's where the difficulties are. And then having a community member throughout the year, it's, it's really not just these six weeks, but uh, already in Taipei 2018, we did two and then Adelaide, Sydney, and then also last year in October. So our dramaturg from Taiwan, this time in Melbourne, that's our, we, we had a writing practice called One World Poem, where you really just describe a virtual intimacy experience with only one word, every line. And then that's the writing exercise we, we did with the community member. And then, our dramaturg Irma was like, but I did it three times. Where is this writing lead, leading us? But then that's like a bit of struggle, right? But also um, listening to new stories and then listening to their response because the community member has a fresh eyes to, to, to this. So sometimes we feel like we are a bit bored with the material, but then they, they, they found it super interesting. Or sometimes we the other way around. Actually, since we have Louise in amongst us, I don't know, Louise, would you be happy to share a little bit how it was to participate in the show as a community member? Like, how did you, what was it that attracted to you to be involved in this project and how was it for you to be, to be part of this? Sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but since we're talking, <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of like doing it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. uh, First, I have to say um, it's a privilege to be part of the community member. And uh, I'm, I'm very glad I, I, I do this because um, before going to that uh, workshop, uh, before I decide to go to that workshop, I was like very hesitated about it because I don't know, I know nothing about art. I haven't been to a theater before. and. I just, I just, I thought I would meet a bunch of hipster there, yeah, in the <laughs> workshop, <laughs> and and then yeah, and and then I saw Edwin there. I said, oh, okay, then I'll try again. And and uh, during the workshop, I think we do a lot of um, exploring things, like talk to ourselves, answer, answering those tough questions that I never asked myself before. So it's really like a journey to um, to be totally honest to myself, I guess. Yeah, and I promised myself I want to be out to my family before I'm 30. And I'm 29, so I have just a short amount of time. So, yeah, so. Still a yeah. whole year. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's, so uh, as the time goes, I start to, um, expect to looking forward to the workshop every week actually so it's a real supportive place and like Edwin say if we don't want to do anything he, he won't force us to do it we just do everything we feel comfortable but it's also a place that I can push myself out of my comfort zone and just really be honest to myself and meet a 
a lot of good friends there. Yeah, genuine friends. So, yeah. Um, and and what, what in the end, because you were saying before you joined, you were a bit hesitant, but what in the end made you decide to actually sign up when you saw this Facebook ad and you thought like, oh, maybe it's nice, maybe it's not, but in the end you actually joined? Oh, I didn't sign up actually. Oh. <laughs> I just went to the, the place directly without signing up. I just, yeah, because I just right want to... Right beside his place, yeah, actually, right? Yeah. Beside his apartment. Yeah, like two minutes work. So I say if I'll just have a look there and if it's not a th things that I'm interested in, I'll just walk away. Yeah. But what, what made you go? Was it because you wanted to um, prepare for coming out to your family or was it was there a particular reason that you went? Uh, I think, oh, because uh, I think that Advertisement is very appealing, <laughs> and it's a male identity, queer, Mandarin speaking, and I also see uh, it's a col collaboration between Taiwan and Australia. So I'm from Taiwan. I think it's very interesting to to go. It's it's a thing for me. Yeah, it's a Taiwanese Basic theater because of our pictures look so appealing. <laughs> our pictures, yes. <laughs> the virtual part made it so appealing. Yeah. So I decided to have a try, and I'm glad to do that. Yeah. That's really great. Um, how many, with how many community members did you start, and how many were left? So for, for the time in Melbourne, I, I wasn't here until, I mean, three weeks ago. I, maybe, I mean, can... Yeah, I think there was, um, yeah. there was about maybe 12, 15, and we ended up with six, I think, seven. A lot yeah. of them seven. stay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of that drop off rate is is about right in terms of like it, we want people to self select. Um, so you know we want to um, uh, they can come and they can do two workshops and then you can leave. And then I think we invited them all to to see the show afterwards. And um, so it's yeah, it, it's nice to have people that come in and then don't do it as well. That's that's nice. And back to the artistic choice. This time, we are like, but who is community member and who isn't? Because Edwin and I, the performers, everyone is in the community. And so when we did our presentation in Taipei, everybody's sharing story, including Edwin and I. And then so, so the community member blend in very well with the work, almost too well that we don't see the layers. And then this time, we really want to significantly um, uh, put this uh, difference between these elements. So we kind of reference to Greek drama that Edwin and I are kind of troubled God that they having all kind of desire and a little bit fucked up. <laughs> and uh, so, so we have our trouble. And then the chorus are actually the community member. They can comment and they can share about what they think and then and then the actors are actually the poetic parts. Mm. Yeah. Ah, I see. That's really interesting because I was actually wondering about how then did um, did you start to develop artistically the work in such a way that the community is part of that? So did you start from thinking uh, about this work as a, as a Greek um, theater work or? No, it, I, I think that the reference only comes in like in one of our early meetings this time in Melbourne is like when we are asking 
but everyone is is the community member on the stage. So how and what is everyone telling everybody? Mm. So in a way, Edin, Edwin and I uh, decide to. There's another interesting word that comes up alongside uh, along the way already in the very beginning, which is vulnerable vulnerability, and it's it's obviously the key to be intimate with someone and. Edwin and I are learning it, and um, so we. I noticed that while doing being such a great host host of workshop, Edwin has been running workshop in everywhere for ten years or more. But then a lot of time he is taking care of the others, like he need to make sure that everybody's well taken care of that. They are okay to say things. They are, they, if they don't feel okay, they are, you know, free also. But what about Edwin's own voice? And I was like dragging Edwin to say something about yourself. So every time we, when we meet each other, I will put out two cameras and then say, Edwin, let's talk to each other. Let's record it. I don't know how how we're ever gonna use it. But then this year, coming back, he's sitting down. I also proposed to him that let's talk again. And then it became uh, part of very important material to to our project. So we actually started with our conversation on the video. People talked to people screen to screen. And what are Edwin and I doing physically on the stage? So while there are two gigantic screens of our face, what is our physical body on the stage means? That kind of thing. So um, yeah, I'm just sharing this uh, how who are we on stage, and why are these two stage, two uh, directors on stage? And then there are so many elements in this work. Yeah, I think about um, probably now two weeks ago, we knew that there were four or five key elements in the piece, but we really had no idea how they were kind of mixing together, and the um, the dramaturgical process to f to mix them has been. An amazingly huge process that Teddy Dunn, the Melbourne-based dramaturg, um, really led us through, um, and it's it's been quite a a, a magical as well as um, scary and frightening experience to be so close to a premiere with so many parts that are all quite independent and complex in themselves, mixing into a work that we don't know how they'll do that um, and making those decisions in such a short period of time. Um, so the, um, yeah, all the, all the elements finally merged in and it was partly about constantly reminding ourselves that all the difficulties in the project were the project and the, the form of it had to reflect the process that we were creating, um, which is a scary thing because you can kind of very quickly go into this like hyper meta um, theoretical place and then to then bring it back and go, but what is actually, the, how do we express that? Um, it was, it really was like walking blind towards something um, and then finally reaching it and going, oh great, we can take our blindfolds off now, we're, we're here. Well, that's really great that you that you mentioned that you have the feeling that you arrived somewhere because what I thought was really beautiful about the show is exactly that that it's that you feel like you're sort of part of a journey that you both went through, but there is also really a work. There is really a show. So in that sense, I'm also wondering um, 
if it was so much of a journey, and maybe it still is, like where do you see this work go into the future? That's exactly uh, what I'm starting to worry about because <laughs> we are having a premiere in Taipei in the National Theater of Taiwan in uh, October. And we'll, it's going to be very different, right? Because we will have local community members. And then we will also grow six more months older. And uh, everything's going to be 30 by then. And wiser, uh, hopefully. Already. <laughs> right? And um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, because actually I think when you are in in a foreign society or when you're presenting work abroad, you are actually quite relaxed. And when you know that your family, your teachers, your uh, art hipster people are all coming to see a show and give you feedback, or you know you'll be judged on that of your annual funding, it's not fun. <laughs> Probably, but uh, um, artistically, it's just how do we um, communicate with local audience? I think uh, theater goers in Taipei are quite specific. They are a lot younger than the Western uh, theater goers. And also, um, I think racially, it will be 90%, 95% of Taiwanese people in the theater while in Melbourne, everybody is a very diverse background in the audience. So, so that I feel that the presentation we did in Taipei with an Australian uh, director and one Australian performer on stage, they were kind of inserted because the rest of the team are Taiwanese and the rest of the audience are Taiwanese. So um, that's the first thing that comes up in my mind as a thing that we need to respond to. I think it's great how difficult we've made the whole thing for us in the way that, um, like from from my perspective, doing this project, which is our first, ACNOW's first kind of international collaboration and presentation, it was a way to um, find a way to involve community practice in that kind of mold, model to be able to tour but have locally relevant um, components. Um, that's already difficult for it because you know it's going to have to change if we then take it to Japan or if we take it to any other city we'll we'll work with a new group of community members um, that's difficult enough but now we've got this extra layer that the project is so self-referential and so much of it works because the audience believe us in in sharing this information of creating the process that it needs to still be relevant to the process itself as well as relevant to the city that it's in. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how we how we um, continue to morph the content um, to evolve and reflect the, the project in its entirety, not just from when it was first presented. Yeah. What's quite interesting about the future of this work and the future of our baby is actually where do we take the baby to, right? Because, um, I mean, as a Taiwanese, being a Taiwanese artist, it's so privileged that we can talk about LGBTQ in theater supported by the government, whether if it's a, a documentary or any art form that you can think of. But we, we also know that it's not going to be that easy to bring it anywhere in Asia, really. Like, uh, not, not to say the cost of it is quite, quite high, having international group, having all the multimedia 
setting, um, it's just not gonna be easy for, let's say, Japanese audience, Japanese venue to hire this or Korean um, venue to actually do that. And, and I was thinking about that. That's exactly where I would like it to, to, to go. We we'll, we'll really, probably it's not a theater festival. It's actually, it can be a human rights festival that we do uh, sort of not so multimedia version of it. But I mean, bring this piece to somewhere other than theater festival is very important in the future. And then bring it to somewhere things are not talked. Is for example, I mean, even in Melbourne, people think here so liberal and everything. Still, on, in the performance, you can still think people have a lot of question in inside themselves. So we have this app that everybody can text during the the show and answer the question. And then the other day that after the premiere, the second day we turn it on while doing the cues, we solve messages left from the audience. The night they were like, hi, is there anybody still there? And then there will be people saying something like, there are so many questions I didn't want to answer, but I know I'm not alone. And I think that's, that's the beauty of virtual intimacy, that you don't know who wrote this. Uh, you know, it's in the middle of, it's midnight probably, and then there's just message popping out looking for someone. Is there still people here? Should we grab a drink? And that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, thank you also for bringing up um, that issue about how difficult or what challenges you would encounter if you would tour it throughout Asia, because that is one of the things, being from Indonesia myself, is one of the things that I've been thinking about, you know, that there you two have now created also, in a way, a space where people could go and have conversations about this, whereas it is still remains difficult to tour this work. But on the other hand, I'm also thinking like, the work now consists also of very many different components that you might even you know, be able to break it up and maybe do these community workshops or, or things like that. I don't know if you've thought about that too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just a case of uh, good work is never easy. So, like, we've just we've made it difficult because that's that's what it um, takes. That's the fun. <laughs> yeah, um, and so uh, the future of it is, we we know that the future of it is not going to be a cookie cutter model, um, and so that it's always going to depend on um, on where it's going and what the context is, and um, yeah, yeah. There's so many different options. I'm also just very curious to hear if there is like any special anecdotes or trivia that you want to share with the audience. Like what kind of like were fun memories about about this? Ren. Who's shurning? Oh yeah, we shurning. We um, last night, um, I can't remember when it came up, but on the app, um, yeah, someone someone um, said shurning as a, as a response to one of the questions. And, and I think I read it out and said shurning. Okay, and I, go I googled it during the show and nothing came up. And then it became this um, constant, constantly referenced thing of um, shurning, what is shurning? Um, and it turned out it was, it was uh, the one female in a group of 12 gay men, um, she, her name was shurning. Um, and so they were just kind of um, poking fun at her the whole night and everyone thought that it was a sexual act or something. <laughs> <laughs> something new, yeah. Reading answers in English on spot is also very challenging and fun for me because I sometimes just read it without knowing what it is. 
And then after the whole sentence, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. We've had a few people come to the show and um, meet people in the audience that they've spoken to on Grindr or Instagram um, yeah. and have had that kind of first face-to-face conversation um, in the show, which is very kind of very appropriate. And Alvin is also very popular in our chat room. Yes. Like everybody talk about him. Yeah, I think, I, noticed. A, I think there's one person that seems to be doing it every night. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's not me. It's not me. Day. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get any surprises yet in the in the Chinese responses? Mm. There's a question that uh, it's the question is what are you proud of? And then for some reason there are so many people say that they are proud to be Taiwanese. Mm. And I think that's quite nice. And actually, um, what's interesting is when we start this project, we have been talking about that. Like we are doing all kind of research, and then we had a quite strong emphasis on uh, the referendum in Tai Taiwan and Australia. And then what what actually happened? What were people talking about? And then how how did it go? So. Um, even though we are so far away from each other and then culturally so different, uh, but uh, the marriage equality actually put in law uh, just into one year time. And um, so, yeah, um, at one point we were thinking about, talk about these uh, social issues with everybody and then, uh, but no, in the end we didn't put it in the show. In the end it was, um, Actually, the, the the baby is still growing. I think we will definitely have um, more elements when it comes to Taipei. Yeah. In what sense do you mean? For what kind of more more elements? More, I mean, for example, with the community member, that we actually did very interesting, fun exercise, which we call a sorting game, which we just play a few community member on the stage and then ask the other to sort them. For example, who is the tallest? So some physical one you can just put them in order, or who has the most in the their my, the most amount of money in on their Mikey card, or who can cook the best, or who is top, who is the most top to the who is the most bottom. So you really just literally judge a book by its cover on stage, and then we found that very. We found that cruel, but also that's what we do on, online, right? You just say no and yes, you just say, oh, this is too fat, this is too short, this is too too good to, for me, that kind of thing online all the time to yourself. Yeah, that's totally true, I think. It sounds very harsh, though. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm thinking about doing that in Taipei. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, okay, so another question is, what do you think is the most important thing that you've learned from this process for both of you? I think for me it's um, it's been amazingly difficult to work outside of the context that I'm used to and it's made me reflect on the way that um, me as an individual is not just me as an individual, it's all the... the, the um, things that I embed into the context around me that is part of me. So um, my office, my house, my colleagues, um, my friends, my networks, they're all in Adelaide. And, and then to work outside that context 
I don't have all these things that are actually me. Um, and so it's been a, a real eye-opener to, to know um, how much I need to develop my own practice and also myself personally to work in those different contexts and still know who I am. Like it's been quite an interesting, I don't know if you experienced this having done quite a few international collaborations, but it, it's, it feels very, it's been a very emotionally challenging project because of that, um, uh, that question of who am I in this, in this project, in this country, in this context, um, that's been really interesting. I think what I learned the most is um, how Australians do things. Uh, I love when er in every event that uh, there's this country acknowledgement. I was very surprised that what are they talking about? Why is and in the beginning and then I really just love it. And then also the... Um, Why do you love it so much? Because it's, um, I mean, you, you, I mean, the right of the land is not acknowledged in Taiwan. I mean, we also have Aboriginal tribes and people that is um, just, um, I mean, same thing happens in many places, but uh, we don't have this thing to remind ourselves. We just feel that we have the, all the right to be in the land to do whatever we are doing. And um, many, many things, really. Um, but I think the country's acknowledgement. And then also, yeah, the other day we were actually rehearsing intimate uh, performance-wise kind of improvisation with the two performers. And then immediately, Edwin will uh, gather everybody to talk about when we do an intimate rehearsal, what will be the guideline be? So uh, being extra careful and uh, on um, all kind of things, like paying respect to everything is what I learned a lot in Australia. Thanks. I also like a lot how they label the, um, uh, how do you say that? Equal I don't even know how to say that, but it's like about this non-gender um, toilet. You know, neutral gender toilet, unisex. Yeah. There, there, there are some very interesting way that they they bow it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the official one, but there are also you know, kind of funky ones. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. I think uh, we have a few more minutes actually to open it up to the audience. Is there anyone in the audience who has questions for either Yen or Edwin? Close. Yeah, you yeah. can just. I don't think it's on. Um, it is useful because we're podcasting on it later on. I think you need to be very close because it's oh, okay. very directional. Yeah. I think yeah. you, I'm interested in what you talk about the community. I, I get that there's a, a sort of a community that doesn't know each other really, but then you've also created a community because you've got the people who've worked together and who perhaps, as you said, didn't know each other before, but now they do. Is there anything ongoing with that group? Or is, have you considered that? Or do, will that group, is, that, is there a group that will continue? And is there a scope for that working in Taiwan mm. or remotely? 
Yeah, I think Ian um, mentioned, I think, the, the, um, the strangeness of calling the community members community members when everyone is a community member. Um, and I think that reflects a weird thing in community arts practice where we talk about going out and working with the community in, um, in air quotations um, as if it's this thing that you go out and you catch and you bring it in um, when actually it kind of sounds cold but we work with demographics and this project didn't target a community, it targeted a, a demographic um, and in any process like that you target the demographic and you create the community. Um, and so, yeah, the community was created in this piece. Um, it's a little bit different to some of the other projects that we do where um, often we we have these communities in partnership with a community organisation and they hold that space on a, a long-term thing. This is different that we don't have that um, partnership. Um, but, yeah, I do think a community is formed. Um, it, it becomes a resourcing issue of like how do you keep that going um, and particularly because I'm not from Melbourne, Yen's not from Melbourne, we'll literally fly out um, and the we can only hope that the, the community that is created continues in whatever form that it wants to um, exist but it's kind of, it's nice that we don't control that as well, it's not our community, it's 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 its own thing. Last night we went out for for a drink after the show, and it's the first night that everybody finally, you know, have the had the premiere and they know what is going on, and and all the community members were having such a good time, you know, chatting and laughing and making all the quite dirty joke, and I, and and I feel that's the starting point of the community community work is gonna happen. Like, imagine if we ask them to do the writing and all the things they did now, it would be so much more spicy than it is now. And um, that's what I learned also, yeah. Great. Is there anything else that people want to raise? Yes, there's one more question. Can I, is that working okay? Um, Lewis, I'm wondering if your signing up was perhaps virtual. A virtual signing up. Virtual? Maybe, maybe not, yeah. Question if, Lewis, if you yeah. signed up virtually. For this, it was more a state. It was perhaps a statement. Statement. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. That's all right. Uh, yes. Of course. Yeah. 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 Um, it was a bad dad joke. It was a bad dad. Thanks. Joke. Thanks, oh. Dad. <laughs> Thanks for getting me out of that. Okay. Edwin. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain it later, Lewis. Oh. Edwin, you went, you mentioned that um, we're not very good at expressing feelings. I think mm. that's what you said. Mm. And is that because we're not familiar? Because we're not courageous? Or we don't practice enough, do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I, I And that's just not just yeah. in the context of what your your work. Yeah, yeah. But generally. Generally, yeah. Australia. I think it's difficult for me to know because I'm particularly bad at expressing emotions. Uh -huh. So I'm so I, I don't have a great insight into it, but I think it's the kind of um the English reservedness of um yeah, not not being open about things. Um, and it's really interesting the way that um, uh, a lot of the Taiwan team have been quite um, confronted by the question, how are you? That we, we always say, hi, how are you? And uh, a lot of them has, have said, like, well, how do I respond to that? Like, do I... And, and it, 
I've, I've kind of said a few times, I actually don't care what the answer is. Like, just say good. That's fine. We'll move on. And it's kind of, I think that's kind of the, that's it's like very, lying all the time. Yeah. It's and I basically think lying. It's a very Australian thing to say, yeah, I'm good. As a, like, that's the response. Um, getting a coffee is like, how are you? Said, oh my God. <laughs> Where do I start? I need to, I really need to practice before getting a coffee. <laughs> well, the other yeah. thing is to say, are you well? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Can I ask another dad sort of thing? Um, the last last yeah. dad question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does the baby keep you awake at night? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah totally. That's great. I couldn't sleep for the whole week. I, I, I mean, like, I went to bed. Finally fall asleep at four last night. Yeah. Okay, I think with that, on that note, <laughs> we all need to, to get some more sleep and... Uh, and some more coffee. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Edwin. Thank you, Yen, for you, sharing Sophia. so generously with us. And also, Louise, for you too. Mm. Thank you so much. And um, for those of you who haven't seen the show, the last show is tonight. Oh, no, this evening, 5 mm. p.m. at uh, Sydney Meyer at VCA. Uh, Martin Meyer. Uh, I'm sorry? Martin Meyer. Oh, sorry. Martin Meyer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Google Thank the you. show, please. Yes. <laughs> Find some image. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You are listening to an M Pavilion podcast, conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at library.mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.